0: Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Today, there are many narratives that are promoting and and, uh, encouraging people to live in continual fear. But we were not created to live in fear. And with this relationship with the Lord, we know that we can live a victorious life and we don't have to live in fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and self-discipline. So let's no longer live in fear. Amen. All right. So fearless, what does that word mean? It means lacking fear. <laughs> so, uh, But there is one healthy fear to have, and it's fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 1, seven, it says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Amen. And then in Proverbs 9.10, it says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, when we talk about fear, uh, in the context of fear, we're not talking about, oh, oh I'm scared. He's, he's going to get me. But we're talking about fear from the context of understanding His holiness. He's a holy God, and I think sometimes we can get too casual with God. Because of this relationship that we have, you know, there's a saying that familiarity breeds contempt. Have you ever known somebody and you begin to kind of disrespect them because of your relationship with them? And we've talked about how we need to honor one another. And I know that some of us maybe have or, or have gotten into situations where we get into this uh, uh, I don't know, we're kind of uh, sar- sarcastic toward one another, putting one another down. And, and then, you know, one person says this, and, well, you've got to counter with this. And next thing you know, it, it, it escalates, so somebody gets their feelings hurt. So why don't we honor one another? But certainly we need to honor the Lord. And so the spirit is also in the context of, de- of devotion, of understanding who He is, that He's a holy God, we're devoted to Him. It's another way we could say this is to respect Him. So for believers, we understand that God is mighty in power. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28 just before He ascended? One of the final things. All power and authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So yes, we have this relationship with the Lord, but are we honoring Him? Or have we gotten casual where we're maybe disrespectful toward him? So God has all authority. He spoke everything into existence. He has dominion, and there should be respect. One of of the things that I've been doing through this series is I've been thinking about a lie. Because many times with truths, there are lies, right? The enemy will tell us lies. And maybe uh, we will even tell ourselves lies or someone else will tell us a lie. And a lie is anything that doesn't line up with the Word of God. And so a lie that you may have, have bought or, or people you and your family may have bought is that God is out to get us. God's out to get you. And that's not true. God loves you. God loves us. He is our protector. He's our defender. We sang about it this morning. He's looking out for us. And so when, when we understand that God really loves us, that's a basis for what we need to understand in this relationship. Because if you think God is always out to get you, you're going to live in fear and you're always going to be walking on eggshells. So my first point is we were created to be fearless, live without fear. And I want to go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 19 and then verse 25, and if you have your... Your phone, you know that we have the UVersion app. You can go and you can find Life Fellowship and all the scriptures and points are there. So you can follow along and you can go back uh, throughout the week and review those. So Genesis 2.15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. What a sweet gig. Here, I want you just to go hang out in the garden, tend, watch, watch over it. That's your job. That's all you have to do. And, and so uh, I can imagine that maybe the Lord would come down and say, hey, what are you doing today? And he's like, well, I'm going to do some quality control on the fruit today. I'll be checking out the grapes. And I'm going to be combining grapes with blackberries and see how those taste. And by, by the way, I did that this past week. We had <laughs> blackberries and grapes. It's an interesting mix. If you haven't tried that, maybe try that. But I, the, the point I'm trying to make is that man was conversing with God who created everything? They had this relationship. And they would commune together on a daily basis. We have that same opportunity yes. to reach out to Lord to the Lord on a continual basis. We have the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us. So Genesis 2:16. But the Lord God warned him: you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge. The, the tree of knowledge except the the from the fruit of the tree of I think I have it wrong in my notes. Okay. You can eat of all the fruit in the garden except the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right. <laughs> I don't know what's in my notes, but that's that's the bottom line. Okay. So what we see here is not that God is restricting man, but he cares enough to say, "Look, I'm giving you a warning, I'm giving you a caution, don't don't eat that fruit, okay, because there are consequences. And so there appears to be only one instruction that God is giving to men. He's saying, hey, you can eat of all the fruit You, you tend and keep, but just don't eat from this one tree. Now I want you to consider something. Do you? I'm sorry in my notes I have do we, but let me make this personal for us. Do we follow God's instructions? Not just not somebody else, not just my spouse, not just my boss. Do we follow God's instructions? Or do we have this attitude of God, you're not gonna tell me what to do? You're not gonna tell me how to live. Because I know better than you. Ooh. That's how it comes across when we don't receive and follow God's instructions. Because, again, it's important that we understand He's not out to get you. He loves us. And so He wants us to walk in the fullness, walk in victory walk in health and healing and wholeness and all of those things. But if we choose to walk away from the things that he tells us to do, we get out of those boundaries that he set. There are consequences, negative consequences, bad consequences, death and destruction kind of consequences. So he says, there's one restriction that I have for you, man. But then the next thing he says is, I'm going to make a special gift for you. Let's read on in Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So he tells him, don't eat eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but then I'm going to make you a helper. So, you know, I I know about three jokes, so I'm going to tell you a joke today. This is one of my three. So God tells man, he says, hey, I'm going to make this helper for you. And man is so excited. He says, really? And God says, yeah. And, and, and so man is like, well, t- tell me a little bit about her. And he said, oh, she's beautiful. Really? He said, yeah, she's gorgeous. She's going to be the most wonderful thing you've ever seen. She's better than, than grapes and blackberries. And she's going to be fun. You guys are going to have so much fun together. And she's going to be able to, to, to put together meals. And, and Adam, our man, is so excited. And he's like, "Well, well, this is wonderful, God. Uh, is, is this going to cost me anything? And God says, oh, yes, man. It's, it's going to cost you everything. And he's like, really? And he said, yeah, you're going to give your heart to her. You're going to fall in love with her. You're going to always be by her side and protect her. And so man says, well, this is going to cost me everything? And God says, yes. And he says, well, what can I get for a rib? Okay, I'm glad you laughed. Thanks. Okay, so let's read on in in Genesis 2.19. So the Lord God formed the ground and all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. Look, when we talk about God partnering with us, here's another example of God wanting us to be involved in his creation and what he's doing in the earth. And so today we can look at how God is partnering with us that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we're able to go out and share the hope and the love of Christ with other people. That's his purpose and plan and desire, right? And so he's working through us. He could do that without us. He doesn't need us. But he chooses to partner with us. And allow us the opportunity to go and share the hope and the love of Christ with others. And he gives him the opportunity to name the animals. He says, I want you to choose names for them. And I can envision that maybe God said, aardvark? Were you eating some of that herb over there? Or were you eating some of those mushrooms you shouldn't be eating? What were you thinking? <laughs> but he gave him free rein. And the Lord wants us to walk in freedom and victory, but he said there's some boundaries that you need to stay within for your protection. And so we read in verse 21, The Lord caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. He took out one of the man's ribs and, uh, and, and formed a woman from one of his ribs. Let's skip down to verse 25, Genesis 2.25. Now the man and his wife were both naked. They felt no shame. The man felt no shame. The woman felt no shame. They had no guilt. They had no fear. They were free. They were innocent. Think about a little child. You get them out of the bathtub and you've got some friends or neighbors over and they run into the living room butt naked. They, they're innocent, right? They don't know that they're supposed to wear clothes until we start telling them, okay, now you need to put some clothes on. And they're like, why? I'm good. If you can't handle it, if they can't handle it, that's really their problem. It's not my problem. I shouldn't be fearful. But in Genesis 3, they sin. Man and woman sin. They eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And things changed. My first point, we were not created, or we were created to be fearless. We weren't created to live in fear. And my second point is a result of sin is fear. So let's look at Genesis 3, 7 through 11. Seven seven verses later, where they they were naked and they were unashamed, now we see that things change. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And not only did they mess up by disobeying God, but they started something that is carried down through generation, through generation, through generation that we all do. Hiding sin. Let's read on in verse 7. So they sowed fig leaves together to cover themselves. What is our propensity when we sin? Oh, I hope nobody knows. I hope nobody finds out. We try to hide it. And the Word says that we are to have relationships with one another, that we are to confess our sins to one another. Certainly, we're to confess our sins to God. But that we have these relationships where, hey, man, listen, I'm really struggling, or I failed, or, you know, can you, can, will you pray with me? Will you stand with me? Will you hold me accountable? Yes, we have the Lord, but we also have, like Al talked about this morning, fellowship with Him and with one another. But what happens whenever we sin? What do we try to do? We try to hide it. I remember when I was in high school, uh, my second year of high school, we moved to a new facility, a brand new facility. And in the center of, of the, the school was the auditorium, and uh, they had columns. And then in between the columns, they had these, these uh, benches built into the wall. And so you could sit there uh, along the auditorium and talk to people as they're walking up and down the hall. Or if there was an event going on in the auditorium, you could kind of turn around and look and I was walking down the hall and I saw a friend and, and we were talking as we were walking he's going that way I'm going this way and I said yeah okay well we'll see you later well I thought I was around the corner of the last column and I took a step and I ran right into the last column what was the first thing you think I did and then I realized my nose was bleeding What do you think I did then? I kind of scurried off to the restroom so I could stop the bleeding. Because I didn't want anybody to know because I would be embarrassed. And so what do we do when we mess up and when we sin? We want to hide it. And we know that God is faithful and just to forgive us for all, say all, all of our sins. And so we go to him. And then if we need to make restitution with someone, then we should do that. But they started some things. And that's where sin entered into all of our humanity, into our DNA, when Adam and Eve sinned. And then they started some things that have continued in our lives today. Verse 8, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden, as he would do on a daily basis. He would come down, hey, what's up, y'all? What are y'all eating today? You know, or whatever. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. My sin impacts my life and those around me. And what we see where they were naked and unashamed and welcoming God, now that they've eaten the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they're afraid, they're ashamed. So, verse nine. Then the Lord called to the man, "Where are you?" And by the way, any time the Lord asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know. <laughs> and he replied, uh, "I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was what? I was afraid because I was naked. And now he's afraid of God. Fear is a result of sin. What changed?" The garden didn't change. God didn't change. They were changed because they disobeyed. I want you to think for a moment. uh, Can you imagine a life today with no fear? Just think about that for a moment. Do we even realize the amount of fear that we live under or in sometimes? Imagine that a husband comes home from work one day and his wife was like, "Would you please do something with Junior?" He's been playing with this rattlesnake all day long. He's been wrapping it around his neck. He's been swinging it around like a rope. Every time I go to move, I'm about to step on the snake and he's rattling at me. "Can you please just take him out?" Last week he was riding on the back of the lion. The lion was running around in the yard and then the gorilla grabbed him and they were climbing up trees and they were swinging on the vines. Could you please do something? What if we lived a life where we didn't have any fear at all? I'm not sure that that's not how God wants us to live today. Do we have that kind of trust in Him? Disobedience to the Lord opens doors in our life that were never intended to be opened. And some of the results of that are shame and guilt and fear. Ooh, what if someone finds out? Lying. Oh, I have to tell another lie to cover a lie, to cover a lie. You see where this thing how this thing is all connected? And you know, if if you've missed some of these teachings in the series, go back and 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 listen to them or podcast them because they're all connected faith and forgiveness and favor and all of these things that we've been talking about are are centered on this relationship with the lord genesis 3 11 who told you that you were naked the lord god asked have you eaten from the tree whose fruit i commanded you not to eat and then then what happens the blame game starts right well god it was that woman And woman, well, it was the serpent. No, it was you. Because it says, and my, my wife reminds me of this, that man was with woman when she partook of the fruit. So he was there. Why didn't he stop her? They knew that they were not to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then what happens? They try to hide it. They start pointing fingers. Do you ever try to justify sin in your life? Validate. Well, you know, maybe we shouldn't. Or maybe we should repent and say, Lord, forgive me and help me to not do that anymore. So we were created to be fearless. A result of sin is fear. My third point is good news you don't need to live in fear. We don't need to live in fear. We don't need to be there. We don't need to be bound up by fear. Jesus came to set the captives free. Peter, writing to the early church leaders in uh, chapter 5, 7-9, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you. Amen. Philippians 4, 4-8, four Paul writes, Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. But in all things, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, think on the things that are true, lovely, just, pure. You don't see anywhere in there that we are to be anxious. He says, don't be anxious. Don't worry. And Peter's saying, give all your worries and cares to God. Because He cares for you. And then he says, stay alert. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So Peter is saying, look, there is an enemy. Stay alert. Be aware of his strategies in your life and how he will try to trick you and trap you. What did the serpent tell woman? He said, did God say you can't eat of any of the trees? No, we can eat of all of them. And so the enemy knows how to trick you and to trap you. We all have weaknesses in our flesh that we're vulnerable to, but that's why we need to stay connected to the Lord. Say, Lord, help me. Help me to walk in the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so the, the, the enemy is looking for someone that he can devour and pounce on. And when we're connected to the Lord, we're not as vulnerable as when we're disconnected from Him. I remember a number of years ago, before I met my wife, I bought a house. It was a small house. It was probably 850 square feet, two-bedroom, one-bath, car and a half-garage, kitchen, of course. And it had my beautiful drum set in the dining room. I had speakers hanging from the wall. It was perfect. (laughs) It was like my own little garden. And the people that lived there before me, they had done a great job of landscaping the yard. I had a beautiful yard. And uh, so with rose bushes and when I would go on a date, I didn't have to go buy roses. I'd just go out in my backyard, cut some roses. But I had this dream when I was living there, and I was walking down the driveway. And I had these these two large trees on either side of the driveway. They were probably about 20 feet tall. And in this dream, I was walking down the driveway, just kind of minding my own business, and there's this woman that's walking down the street toward me. And I knew that she was coming for me. And I knew it was not a good thing. And I realized that she was walking in a spiritual power that was greater than my flesh could defeat. And in this dream, I'm like, oh, Lord. It's like the Lord opened up my eyes. And now I see these two angels that are the size of these trees, like 20 feet tall. And I'm like, oh, yeah, come on, bring it. Uh, Come on, boys. Boys, are you with me? And maybe it was like, you know, they're holding my hands and I'm like this, you know, because they're huge angels. And all of a sudden my perspective changed because I knew that God was with me. And I approached this woman and I said, there's nothing that you can do. You know, now I have the boldness. Now I have the courage. Now, she's fearful, not me. And so with the power and the presence of the Lord in our lives, we don't need to walk in fear. No matter what or who comes against us, we have His mighty power living in us. And so my whole attitude began to change. And I was no longer fearful. And I became the one to, to bring fear and stand firm. 1 Peter 5.9 Stand firm against Him and in your faith. Stand firm because of the power that's in us, within us, and stand firm in our faith. Oh, Lord, I know you can defeat this enemy. I'm not going to fear. Verse 9 continues, remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. There are people, you know, the word says that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly places. And there are people in our family, in Africa, in India, Malaysia, Russia, wherever. There are believers that are going through things. And he's saying, remember them. They're suffering the same that you are. We need to be praying for them. And and so when we understand that we're all in this together, that's why this relationship is so important. Hey, man, I'm really going through a challenge right now. Will you stand with me? Will you pray with me? Will you check on me? And Paul writes in Ephesians 1, 16-20, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Are we praying for one another? Are we sensitive to the Lord when the Lord says, Hey, I want you to pray for somebody right now. Because more than likely, hopefully somebody else is hearing from the Holy Spirit and obeying and saying, Hey, will you pray for Pastor Mark right now? He goes on to write, Paul goes on to write in Ephesians 1.17. Well, let me read all of this in 16. For I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Remember, we talked about Proverbs 1.17. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge Proverbs 10.9, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what is Paul praying here? He's saying, I'm asking God to give you spiritual wisdom. Not godly wisdom. Spiritual wisdom. And insight. So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. When When we grow in our knowledge of God, what does that mean? That means we're... Understanding, we're knowing God better. We're understanding, we're knowing His attributes, His characteristics. I talked about it last week. The names of God are not just names, but they are His character. El Shaddai, Almighty. He's He's superior. He's, it's, not just, it's not just a name, it, it, it's his character of who he is. That's why we sing about today, I love your name. When I sing your name, your provision, your health, your healing, your wholeness, your mercy, your grace, your love, you are love. Not just your name is love, but you are love. He goes on to write in verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called. Confident hope. Do you have the confident hope knowing that God has called you? Knowing that He is with you? When you you face an enemy that greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is Christ in you, living in you, than those other things. So when we understand that this understanding, this wisdom, this insight comes from spiritual growth. Discipleship. We, we talk about discipleship. What is discipleship? It's having this relationship with the Lord. Spending time in prayer. Hearing from Him. Reading the Word. Listening and obeying. Hope. Confidence in God's promises. Think about the history that you have as you've walked with the Lord and you see the history of how He's met your needs or how He's come through or how He's done exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think in a job situation or in a marriage situation or whatever that looks like. You, as we have this relationship with Him and we walk with Him, we see His faithfulness. Our trust is built in Him. Ephesians 1 18 continues. Well, let me read the, uh, the first part. Let me read 18 again. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that he, uh, I'm sorry, with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can come into this intimate, personal relationship With Jesus. You remember our mission? We haven't quoted that in a while. It's to develop, maintain, a model, personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And then the goal is that we become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ because we're so infused with this relationship, not religion, but this relationship with Him that it rubs off on other people. And people say, Man, there's something different about you. It's Jesus. And so this rich inheritance inheritance could refer to our current spiritual riches. It could refer to freedom from sin, right? We've been set free from sin. It could uh, also refer to not living in guilt and shame. It could refer to this relationship that we have with him. And then heavenly possessions as well, riches and rewards that one day we will receive for those that have a relationship with him and faithful and obedient. Ephesians uh, 1.19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. What's the key there? We have to believe him. Do you believe him? Do you believe that he's able to give you power? I pray that you will understand Lord, help us to understand the incredible greatness of your power. Not just for them, but for me. Because I believe in you. God's great power is available to us. Not just the angels, but for us. Ephesians 119 continues, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the heavenly realms lives within us.